This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, and today I'm joined by Steve Rice. And uh, Steve's a homesteader up in Michigan, and uh, he's got a little business going on. He's doing some pretty cool things. And why I wanted him on was mostly because he just has a real passion for a few topics, especially. And uh, from what I can tell from Facebook, and I want to talk to him about it. I thought thought it'd be real interesting. So, uh, Steve, welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Hey, thanks a lot, Harold. Yeah, I'm really, uh, really excited to be here and uh, just looking forward to sharing my passion with y'all. Yeah, before we get into those things you're most passionate about, I guess, I'd really just love to hear your story, your journey, what got you interested in homesteading to begin with and got you where you are. Yeah, sure. So um, we'll go back, you know, maybe 10 years and, um, you know, just kind of give you the whole spiel. So we we used to live in town in a, um, just in like a subdivision, a regular neighborhood, you know, and um, I think for like a lot of people, the way it started for us is my wife had a crazy idea to to make a um, a pallet garden. I don't know if you've ever seen those where you kind of dig out the ground a little bit and you put a pallet yeah. down and then you plant some seeds in between the slabs. So that was the that was the very first thing we did. And um, our son, I think, was like, yeah, he would have been about four or so. So it was a kind of a fun project to do with him. Um, we we homeschooled, so you know, it's kind of bringing him in, showing him. Just, you know, how stuff grows and that sort of stuff. It was pretty new to us. I didn't grow up doing any of this. But um, but you know what? That that was it. <laughs> that That's where we um, got the bug for all this. So we did that. I think we had that little pallet garden for like two years. You know, we grew like four bean plants or something out of it. But but that was enough. So we got, um, we of course, got a couple of chickens. You know, living in town, we were allowed to have three chickens, no roosters. So we did that, of course, and you know, at the time, again, knowing nothing about chickens or anything, I remember just being terrified that they would escape and get out. You know, and how would we ever catch them again? And you know, little did I know that they just come back at night. But um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so we started with three chickens in town, and then um, you know, so then we wanted to grow grow more, have a bigger garden. I think that's pretty uh, pretty typical <laughs> for those of us who head down this path, and we. Um, we grew a sl- or built a slightly larger garden, put up a little fence around it. You know, had like five little beds with like wood chip paths in between them and all that. And um, we planted our first flowers in that garden. Um, I'll get into it later, but we do lots of flowers now. That was when we planted our first flowers. And we planted some dahlias that were dinner plate dahlias, and um, you know they they grow and they're like you know twelve inches across, just gigantic and, and incredibly impressive. And um, you know, and then we um, built that garden. And then the next year we wanted to go bigger. <laughs> so, so we start like tilling up some of the yard and, and whatnot in the spring. And then, um, but there was just this kind of this growing desire in my wife and I, um, you know, well, maybe, maybe we need to move to the country and, uh, you know, maybe kind of explore this further and maybe we can grow more and do more out there. And, um, we like to spend a lot of time at, you know, like Barnes and Noble or just like a bookshop and we'll get all the, all the magazines off the rack and all the books from the, you know, the gardening or homesteading section. Mm-hmm. We'll just sit there for, for hours and go through that stuff and talk and dream. And, um, you know, we, 
uh, it wasn't it wasn't all at once, but we just kind of at one point we had one of those sit down meetings and we decided, you know what, let's do it. Let's let's get a find somewhere out in the country, you know. And this was 2017, so that that was a little while ago now, but um, you know, we we started looking. We're um, we're <laughs> We're, we're trying to decide, you know, what, what's the list or what's the things that we want, you know, and we didn't really, really know what we were looking for. And like, well, you know, some land would be nice. Um, and we both kind of liked the idea of like an old farmhouse. And, um, you know, we had been to, uh, there's a nature center near us and they have this big festival for maple syrup and that sort of stuff. And mm. we're like, well, that's pretty cool. I, I mean, I, I know we'd go to that with our son and we'd see them doing that. And I knew that was a thing, but I didn't know anyone who actually did it or that people did it locally, you know, and I'm like, Oh, so that's, that's cool. And, you know, there's some other things um, that we were interested in that were just kind of more related to the house. But, um, but then when we got to looking, you know, it's, it's like everything we wanted or everything that we wanted, it turns out it was really expensive. And um, mm-hmm. so we kept looking around and eventually we came across a place um, that there was a couple who, we're selling it. Uh, the gentleman was elderly and kind of uh, having a hard time keeping up with maintenance and all that. So they were looking to move. They had been there for 50 years, you know, and well, we put an offer in on the house before we even had our house on the market and they accepted it. So um, it was incredible because it has like everything we wanted. It's, it's 10 acres, an old farmhouse. We have gigantic maple trees surrounding the house. Um, you know, there's uh, you know some wood, there's a stream there's a pond like wow. it's, just, it's just great but of course you know it's not it's not always um you know when you find what you're looking for sometimes you got to make some trade-offs so one of the trade-offs is like i said the maintenance um the house is in decent shape but the property had been let go you know there's lots of trees growing out of the foundation of mm-hmm. you know, big barns so there's lots of trees growing out of the foundation of that that had to be taken care of just lots of kind of wild overgrown brushy stuff all over the place so um so yeah, so we ended up moving out here, which is where we live now. And um, like I said, so that was in the summer of 2017, and <laughs> we had we had some ups and downs. We had some real big ups and downs with this because when we um, moved out in 17, so that was in in the middle of the summer. So like the garden that we had started in town, we just basically had to abandon uh, to the to the new owners. But it was too late to really start a new new garden. Mm-hmm. So then the next year, you know, again, we're still pretty much novices at all this. But what we did is remember just up the road, there's a rental place and uh, I went and rented a sod cutter. So I go out in the in the yard, cut up the sod, big, you know, rectangle, like 24 by 24 square feet and pull that all out. And we're like, all right, great. And uh, I'm like, just put some seeds in the ground. And uh, <laughs> we did that. But it turns out our soil has a lot of clay and we mm-hmm. basically have a swimming pool. And the, our garden that first year was like a complete loss. And, um, <laughs> and it was such kind of a bummer because it was like we moved out here to grow, to grow more stuff, to, to yeah. explore further and see where this could take us, you know. And, um, but it just, you know, again, we, just, we literally made a swimming pool. I remember we had some rain. The water didn't drain at all. It filled up, you know, you cut the side, you cut out like two or three inches of the top. Yeah. And it like just filled with water to the brim. <laughs> so basically a complete loss that first year. The second year, um, we had we had gotten more chickens and we had been using our leaves from our maples 
as like the bedding for the chickens. And then we'd pull all of those leaves out and put that in the garden. So the second year we did that on half the garden and we had the same problem with the, the, the clay and the, the non-drainage, but the area where we put all the leaves from the chickens, we had tons of volunteers from the chicken litter. So we grew tons of pumpkins by accident, you know, <laughs> but like much, a lot of other stuff didn't do that great. But, um, yeah, so then going going on, you know, from there, it, it, we, we figured out, like, all right, we, we need to build up. Instead of trying to throw in this clay, we need to start building up. So we started building some raised beds. And, um, you, you know, when we built these raised beds, everything we've done out here has kind of been on a shoestring, right? And that's kind of the homesteader's way, in a sense, that, um, you know, you're always kind of using free or recycled items, you know, whatever you can find that was left here or you know, on Craigslist and Facebook and all that. And um, so we, we built some raised beds and I found a guy who would deliver to me um, composted cow manure mm -hmm. from his, he just needed it gone. So he brought it out and he delivered it and dropped it off at my, my place and everything. We filled our beds with that. And that was, um, that worked really well. Things grew like crazy in there. Um, that's all pure, pure compost, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah pure, wow. Good. Over top the clay. Um, at that same time, so that's like 2020 now. So in the year 2020, you know, with everything that happened, but like, so we're at home with some extra time. Um, I had a friend come over and we cleared kind of a little wooded area and mm -hmm. we, we filled that area with rows of elderberry. So we found on our property, um, wild elderberry and we propagated that and, um, built out rows. So now I have a little like elderberry orchard, which is one of the things that, um, one of the things we do. And then going on, so in 21, we added a, a orchard and a bigger no-till area. And then that's when we got really serious about flowers. Um, as you said, you you know, on the Facebook page, you'd see that we, um, well, we have a couple of Facebook pages, actually. But on our farm page, we do lots of flowers. Uh, flower farming is kind of our main thing, actually, right now on the farm. And uh, so in 21, we got really serious about flowers. And then, let's see, last year, in 22... We added more raised beds with more compost, but we had big compost issues where nothing would grow in the compost. And that was a whole new, you know, um, thing we had to discover and figure out, which again, we can talk about all this stuff in more detail. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just letting you kind of roll. I didn't want to interrupt you. You're, you're kind of giving us the whole layout here. And I, you know, I'm already oh, heard yeah. several things I want to, I want to go back and touch on. Yeah, I, I definitely want to talk about all this stuff in more, in more detail, but, um, and then this last growing season was definitely our best season yet as far as um success with things growing well and then also um selling stuff and again the main thing being flowers there um yeah but then you know my wife sometimes gives me a little bit of a hard time because i'm a little all over the place as far as what i what i want to do next or what i want to grow yeah. or whatever and she's always like why do you want to do that or what's that and you know i've really been thinking a lot about you know what what makes what makes this what makes me tick or what what undergirds all of this you know and um for our farm so we have a a verse from the bible that's kind of like our foundational verse for what we do at the farm which is psalm 113 3 it's from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same the name of the lord shall be praised so just we try to make sure whatever we do it's for the glory of the lord from beginning to end and then the other thing that has always been on my mind since we've moved here is a story from the old testament second kings verse four where there's an old lady who goes to Elijah and her husband has passed away and their debtors are coming to take the kids. 
and um, and she wants help because you know she has this debt she can't pay. And he says, "What do you have? What do you already have that we can use?" And all she says, "All I have is a little jar of oil." And so Elijah's response is, "Well, go borrow empty jugs and jars from all your neighbors, and then just pour out from that one jar into those jugs." And she does, and you know, lo and behold, every jar is filled until she runs out. And then he says, go sell the oil and live on the rest. So like, you know, the Lord can use what we already have and multiply it. And we can, you know, pay off our debt. We can earn a, a living and an income and, and live off of that. Um, so those, yeah, exactly. Those, those two instances from the Bible, you know, guide us on the farm. But then as far as like my personal passion, um, and again, this is kind of where, where my, my sometimes chaos and <laughs> what I like to grow and do comes from is I really like to figure out and help others like save money, increase profits, uh, build resiliency and uh, like personal sustainability on their farm. Mm-hmm. And then also reduce reliance on external inputs, you know, so yeah. whether things are going well for them personally or, in you know, for the weather or whatever, or if things are going poorly, you know, how, how can you. Can you handle that? Can you still have everything that you, you know, you have on the farm? Can, can you still make it grow? Can you still feed your family well? And so on. So that's really what drives me is that, that desire to figure out how to and help others save the money, increase profits, uh, build the resiliency and the sustainability. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that uh, everything you said, the yeah. thing that just hit me right off the bat was it all started with a few seeds in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's and I like, love that. I just love that you just the pallet garden dropped a few seeds and this this it just sparked something in you yeah. guys that oh, made you yeah. want to go further and further. And every step was another step. And I love that it was small. You started small. Yeah. And and I talked to a lot of people who who they just they want everything and they want it now, you know. <laughs> but uh but there's just something to be said about just starting with just a one or two little things and letting things just kind of organically kind of happen from there and you'll you'll expand to the next thing and the next thing and you'll get a passion for something else and you'll grow and i love that i mean it's kind of the way it happened for me and i think it happens for a lot of people that way but yeah. it just starts with a few seeds in the ground and, yeah. and, and, I, and I, I always remember, figure if i could just get people to do that that's a great start you know yeah and i remember coming home my wife had you know again it's like one of these pinterest ideas where you bury the pallet in the ground and it looks great but yeah you know, so she's like, I want you to get a pallet and put it in the ground and we're going to grow seeds. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, why are we putting a pallet in the ground? And what, like, what are we growing seeds for? Like all that stuff's at the grocery store. Right. But, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it really, it really did, did spark that, that love and interest for. And you were doing quite a bit in town. I mean, you had some chickens, you had some garden going on, you were doing a few things. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I, I love that you didn't let where you were at stop that from happening. You made something happen. Yeah. And exactly. That's what I was just going to say is like, you don't, you don't have to wait. Like, I feel like so often, and I do this too, where um, you end up waiting. Like, oh, if I just have this tool or if I just have this or when this happens, you know, then then I can do what I want to do or then I can pursue that. Where it's like, you you can start where you're at. You know what I mean? Like, there's something you can do. What do you already have and what yep. can you do with it, you know? I don't know how many times I've thought like that too. It's like, you know, it's like, I, I think about things I want to do and I'm like, but look at how many things I could do with the, yeah. what I already have. And I could just get out there and start doing them and I'm not doing, let's focus on those things. You know, it's like, these things are, are they're here. You accumulated these things, you know, they're, they're things that you've happened to, to land on over the years or whatever. And it's just sitting there, use it, yeah. use what you have or yeah. borrow it. If you got a neighbor that has something that yeah. you need to get something started, borrow it. I mean, just get going. 
Yeah, I have a, I have a great neighbor who has access to some heavy machinery. So once in a while, I mean, we had one of our frost-free hydrants bust last year. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, like another thing, I got to dig down four feet by hand, you know, <laughs> to find this leak. Yeah. And, but then, you know, sure enough, he came over one day. He's like, hey, where's it at? Let's get going. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I guess we're fixing the hydrant today. <laughs> so, I've been there. I've done yeah. this. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's awesome, man. Okay. So you've obviously got your little farm going on, a few acres. Yeah. Yep. doing the flowers. I mean, what are your, you're calling it a farm, not just a homestead. I mean, I think you're a homesteader, but you're, you're farming cause you're, you're doing things for profit. Yeah. What is your business as far as the farm goes? Yeah. So, right. So, yeah. So right now the flowers has been the main thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I think when you, you first uh, notice some of my online activity through the fodder trees, right. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's a, a, a kind of a new budding business. And, um, so one of the things I'm working on right now is developing and expanding a little nursery that I have. I'd like to ultimately focus on selling uh, bare root as opposed to like potted plants. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's just a lot of limits and the plants aren't usually, I don't know. They're not, I don't like the quality of the plants as much when they're in a pot versus like a bare root. Certainly shipping would be cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Shipping is yeah prohibitive when you're talking about like potted plants and all that. Mm -hmm. so, um, so yeah, so that's, you know, like I said, this last year we focused a lot on flowers. We've we've done pretty well with that. We've had um, a lot of learning, but a lot of success recently. And then again, the fodder trees. And I feel like the fodder trees really hit at the heart of like building this resiliency into your homestead. And um, and I feel like there's kind of a lack of knowledge out there, just in general. It's almost like it's like a forgotten art or technology. You know, this was done for thousands of years in the past. Um, and you know, there's kind of this renewed interest and part, part of it's because like, you know, the, the cost of like feed has gone up in the last few years, um, and trying to keep animals through the winter and all that. And like, this is some of the things that like, you know, these fodder trees can help us. So, so yeah. yeah. So right now, like, I mean, like you're asking is, so, um, you know, we're selling fodder trees and, um, and then part of that, again, is trying to just expand, expand the nursery. What, what's your, uh. How do you how do you sell things? What, what's your business like? You just sell things off the farm, or you have you go to farmers markets? Do you uh, just sell online? What do you well, do? So I'll talk about again the flowers specifically. Um, so we have a, like a Facebook page for our farm, and mm -hmm. uh, so we'll try to drive some sales through that. So since we have elderberry, um, we make a few products with the elderberry. Like a, we might have like an elderflower cordial. We um, you know we we've made some syrup in the past, but we we tend to just rather sell the berries themselves. You know, so fresh um berries locally as opposed to buying like dehydrated berries from europe right which yeah. you can find online but um i tell you what we've never had an issue selling the berries like they sell themselves um and they you know you get a good you can get a good price for them but um so for the flowers though we have a couple of main places so we we sell our cut flowers to um or there's one one main restaurant that's in town here that's a, like a nicer higher end restaurant we take flowers there every week. Um, there's a big farm market in town. So it's not a farmer's market that we're going to, to sell. We we deliver to this market and they grow a lot of their own stuff, but they also aggregate some other farmers, you know, um, produce and flowers and that sort of stuff. So we take okay. flowers there and they sell them. Um, there's like a boutique in town that we take flowers to where mm -hmm. she's selling them bouquets out of there. And then there's a... Um, uh, what I what I'd call a farm store. So it's another farm, a big blueberry farm actually, 
and they have a store where people can come in and you know buy several other products but we're also taking bouquets there regularly so we we have you know thinking about lifestyle and what do we want to do we've like we've decided we don't want to go sit at a farmer's market every saturday or spend a whole day doing that um so we've you know we've we've made some contacts in the community and so um, one of the things we like about doing the flowers and selling it into the community this way is that we like sharing that beauty with with the community, you know. Mm-hmm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And um, and then it also doesn't require us to to go to a farmer's market and hope to sell. You know what I mean? Like things right. are already sold. We're, we're cutting for things that are already sold. Yeah, I like that business plan a lot better as far as having a direct customer like that that's going to buy, buy stuff every week or, or however often you have them. I mean, that's nice. I mean, then setting up and just hoping something sells. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I, I don't know how many times we're out cutting flowers this year. I told my wife, I'm like, it's so much nicer knowing these are already sold. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a uh, yeah. much more enjoyable work. So I agree. Yeah. Things too that you need to, you know, keep in mind if you're trying to, to sell stuff off the farm is like you can, it's easy. Usually the problem isn't growing what you want to sell. It's mm-hmm. the selling, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So it's easy to outgrow what you need, what you have sold. So again, if you can have it all sold ahead of time, it, it, it really helps. How, how did you go about, uh, getting customers like that you just knock on doors and <laughs> well okay so my uh, my wife's very outgoing and very personable and she uh she does a very good job making friends and contacts so i'm originally from this area she's from another town about an hour away we met in college and um you know it wasn't she didn't live here but a couple of years i'm like she knows more people than i do like we go out <laughs> so, social butterfly huh? <laughs> people her, not me so it's okay that's fine but anyway so she she's the the one that uh, made those initial contacts, but you know, honestly, it's it's not as hard as I thought it would be to make those initial contacts. Even like just a Facebook message that says, "Hey, you know, this is what we do. Here's a link to our to our farm, and um, you know, can we come in and talk to you about this sometime? Or you know, we'd like to you know maybe supply flowers to the tables on your restaurant every week. And um, you know, everyone like I don't know, like what's the worst someone's gonna say? It's it's no thanks. You know what I mean? Which we've had plenty of that. Yeah. Or just response but um you know just kind of asking and saying hey you know maybe i can stop by and drop off a couple bouquets for you to just check out that's good i I think that that's really helpful for a lot of folks who like you said they're growing things but selling is the hard part uh hooking up customers is the more difficult part you know there's a lot of people who you know, they want to grow microgreens, but they know that the marketing of those microgreens might be the hardest part of that. Or just, you know, a lot of people default to the farmer's market just because they don't know any other way, or they think yeah. it's just like the easiest way to yeah. sell this stuff rather than, you know, go out and get the customers yeah. directly. Well, farmer's markets got, have gotten like really popular. Like the one mm-hmm. in town, it's just got huge over the last handful of years. And I feel like it's that super saturated. Like how it's going to be harder to stand out at the farmer's market than, you know, if you have good marketing on like say your Facebook page or something. Which which probably not a lot of people selling flowers there anyway, though. That probably is a pretty unique thing to have at a farmer's market though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, again, 
f- flower farming get really popular starting in 2020, like a lot oh, of them. Yeah. And so it seems like, um, you know, when we first, you know, we're kind of dabbling in it. We put a little, we put some stuff out by the road, but we don't sell a lot by the road. But we put a little bit out there and, you know, stuff would sell. And then like 2020 and then it's like, oh, well, nothing's selling because now when you drive around, there's a there's a flower stand on almost every corner out here. In really? The country. <laughs> wow. wow. However, I do think that's kind of like starting to reverse itself where some people are kind of getting out of it or we're doing it more as a hobby or just for fun during that time. So, yeah, now you're selling, you're selling your elderberries and and probably a few other things too. Is it pretty much yep. the same way you're just kind of packaging those up and selling them on your Facebook or what are, what are you doing there? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, part of it is just a friend's network. Cause you know, um, you know, we homeschool and there's plenty of people in the homeschool community who you know, are looking for elderberries to make yeah. their own syrup. So that's, again, not a hard sell, but but there's just enough people out there in general, you know, that are on our farm page. Um, you know, and if we got them, we'll just post that we have them. Um, again, they kind of sell themselves. They're, we haven't we haven't had the biggest harvest. Um, we've been able to sell everything we've harvested. This was our fourth year with the elderberries. And um, actually, my harvest was not great this year. And that's because I copused them completely to the ground and they didn't recover as well as I expected, but mm-hmm. it'll be amazing next year. So, yeah. And last year was better than this year. So anyway, I usually cut mine back to about three, about two or three feet tall. And then they seem to go really well from there. Yeah. I haven't tried cutting any completely to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they, they came back and they grew, some of them grew 14 feet tall. Like they're, wow. they're insane. <laughs> yeah. But I got the, one like that. Yeah. Yeah, I have about 70 of them like that. So yeah. <laughs> I got some that are like seven, eight feet tall, but I have one only that just has the perfect, I don't know if the, just the ground right there, the moisture levels, the yeah. sunlight, everything must just be perfect. Cause yeah, it's yeah. probably over 14, 14, 15 yeah, at uh, least. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing. Again, like I mentioned earlier with our ground being clay, uh, it's pretty wet when we get big rains, you know, everyone out in this area calls it mud season in the spring. And, um, but like elderberry loves the wet, you know, mm. so Maybe it's not great for, for growing other things like carrots or something, but elderberry just loves it. They go, it goes yeah. nuts. Um, a lot of our property is kind of a low line, you know, it's the, the stream kind of meanders through and in the spring, the, the, the river or the stream will um, flood, you know, kind of flood the area. And, um, so we just have to be careful where we place stuff. That's a little further from the house. So that's not too much of a concern, but just in general, the property is pretty wet, but there are, you know, again, learning like, what do we have and how can we work with it? And uh, part of it was, you know, kind of raised beds. Part of it's elderberries love it. Willow trees, you know, the poplar trees and all that stuff. They they definitely yeah. yeah, well, so that takes us to the next thing you're doing, which is the fodder, fodder trees. Now, that's pretty new for you. You're really just now getting that established and rolling. But how long have you actually been building that? You started doing that when? Yeah, so so this is this is my first year, actually, okay. like, uh, make this a serious business, the, the fodder trees, right? Yeah, you, okay, so, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, as uh, we had talked before, but you know, one of the, one of my goals here is I have a, a certain portion of my property. It's about an acre that I want to, um, slowly convert it into like a silvo pasture that'll mm-hmm. integrate fodder trees into it that can be used for, you know, tree hay, but also just for the, you know, the animals to graze off of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Again, it's kind of low line. It gets kind of wet, but it's also right now there's trees on it. There's lots of, you know, invasive like honeysuckle growing all over it. And, uh, but then I want, ultimately want to turn it into an area that's like for demonstrative purposes, right? So people can come, um, mm. come visit and see what I'm doing, but also, you know, like, you know, make some, 
uh, YouTube videos or whatever, just showing and sure. demonstrating how this can be done on a small scale, right? You know, a lot of times this is pretty small scale, um, but a lot of people will have an acre that maybe they can devote to something like this, to a silver pasture. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of want to try to push it to its limits. You know, how much, um, what animals, how many animals can you put on it? Like how much can you produce off of that? And how much of your own, you know, hay and feed and fodder can you put away for the winter, you know, to, to make it through that whole, the whole season when you don't have grass or something else growing. Yeah. Yeah. Now what's your uh, storage plans on that tree hay? Yeah. So I have, like I said, we have an old barn. So the plan is, is in the, in the hay loft of the barn, just like how you'd store hay. Um, you know, if you cut it, if you, you know, you pollard or, or coppice it, and then you get these kind of these long branches growing that are all pretty mm-hmm. uniform, you can cut those and bundle them up. And, um, you know, you want to keep them out of the sun, but you want to give them a little bit of air movement um, so they can dry out some. But then, but then, yeah, they can just go right upstairs, store in big bundles. And then whenever you need a bundle, you just bring it down. And then, um, but it's, it's almost like a one-to-one equivalent with hay as far as, you know, on a weight basis, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can think about, you know, if you have like a square bale and, you know, say it's a 40-pound or 50-pound bale, you just need to put up an equivalent amount of weight of tree hay. Or even if you don't want to completely replace the hay, you can do it by percentages, right? Maybe now you're you talking to... about the weight branch and all, or just the leaves, or what are you talking about there? Yeah, it's primarily with the leaves, because that's what they're going to yeah. be eating, right? Um, Depending on know, the animal, I guess. If you had, like, goats or rabbits and things like that for tree hay, they eat, they'll eat actually all of it. But... And they're going to be, yeah, and, and most animals, they'll nibble on the tips of the branches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, if you, if you put it up and... And again, you don't have to replace all of your, your hay needs, but if you can reduce your bill by, you know, your hay bill for 20%, 50%, you know, some people are looking at in, in the fall time trying to spend two, $3,000 to put up some hay for some animals, you know, mm-hmm. just to make it through the winter when there's nothing growing until, you know, next April or something. So if you can just reduce that, that can, that can make the difference of, yeah. you know, keeping the animals through the winter or not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've played around with it a little bit. I mean, I'll put up, uh, you know, because I just have rabbits yeah. that are eating that, and I'll put up uh, mulberry for them, and yeah. it works pretty well, and they really like it. Yeah, willow with them, too? I don't have any willow on my property, but I could, absolutely, if I had them. But mostly, I'm just doing, yeah, I just have mulberry is what I'm feeding them. And yeah. comfrey. I do comfrey leaves, too. I do dry a bunch of that and put comfrey leaves up for uh, to feed them through the wintertime, and that yeah. works out really well, too. Yeah, yeah, I have a, a bunch of comfrey that I've started, and it just... It, it's amazing how big it can get. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, when it dries though, it's amazing how small it can get though. It dries yeah. up pretty tight. It, it actually dries really fast and it shrivels up pretty, pretty good. So you need quite a bit of it, but fortunately, like you said, you get quite a bit of it if you have a lot of plants because it, and then you just keep cutting it and keep putting it up and it just keeps growing back as, you know, a few weeks later you cut it again. You know, it's really, really fast producing. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a, a whole, um, you know block out back that i'm that i got like tree starts and all that going and mm-hmm. um you know this next year I'll, or this i guess this winter probably late in the winter i'll be able to cut those down and those will all grow back you know really vigorous for next year and then you know it's just the uh the amount of plants you have just explodes right you know mm-hmm. you start with a handful and you put those in the ground and then next thing you know you're propagating off of those and you get hundreds and thousands of them really fast yeah yeah so what so what uh trees are you selling what? Yeah, so so I kind of always say like the basic three to start with are going to be your um, willow, poplar, and then um, yeah, the mulberry. You said the mulberry, so yeah, the willow, poplar, and the and the mulberry. So 
Um, those are the ones that are pretty much just safe for anything, right? So anything that's a normal herbivore can just eat those and you don't need to worry about it. Um, then beyond that, so that'd be like for tree hay, or of course, you know, you can you can make silage out of that too, if you wanted to put in that, that extra effort. But then there's, you know, there's some advantages to that too. But then other than that, I also have uh, chestnut trees. They're just like hybrid chestnuts. And then also honey locust, which is good for the, the pods, which, you know, it can take a while before your trees start producing pods. Mm. But those pods are really good to put up. There's kind of like a, they call it honey locust, but there's a thick gel in between the seeds. It's kind of sweet. There's lots of uh, calories in there and protein in there for the animals. Yeah, yeah. Um, not to be confused with black locust pods. It's yeah. honey locust, yeah. It's yeah. a big difference Yeah, there. the honey locusts are usually a lot longer and they're kind of mm-hmm. like gold. But the, the trees kind of look similar. The leaves are very similar. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have a blog post I wrote a while back on the differences of them. And there's quite a few differences as far as the and and, and the use of them too. A lot of differences. So just oh, yeah. make sure you got the right trees there. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you're you're uh selling those ones. Or do you have any? Are they hybrid varieties? Or are they more local yep, native yep, varieties? So, yeah. So that's a good question. So the um the hybrid, uh, so the poplar and the willow are both hybrids. Mm-hmm. So. And the reason for that is because generally they'll grow faster. You can get more um, mm-hmm. biomass faster that way. They'll get established faster and they'll be, you know, producing for you faster. You can use what you can find wildly, right? So like um, just any willow that you find, any mulberry that's wild on your property, all that stuff can be used. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just maybe, you know, genetics are going to vary. So maybe they won't grow as fast as the, the hybrids will. Probably be a good uh thing to do to plant both and so you could get some quick but then you get that longer established uh more uh uh durable you know yeah. native variety it, also it, it, so you can yeah, get yeah. leaves quick and get the other later yeah, yeah. especially if it's already acclimated to your region you know yes. country or climate so there's definitely some advantages to that too yeah yeah well, that's good so you're selling this stuff and uh, you're right now you're selling it in the pots but you're trying to get it maybe switched over to selling bare root Is yeah, that the, yeah so right now i have you know bare root sales going so we're taking orders which will ship in the spring mm-hmm. uh, like i said that that's open now but you know but then you know talking about things that are potted it's more just for local sales anything that's potted yeah. you know so i have some like just general things like some hostas and other ornamentals and that sort of stuff that i have in pots that okay. are just more for um you know, I'm really interested in, in you know, the plant pro- propagation and how, um, you know, how there is uh, money to be made there. But also there's, again, like beauty to be shared, you know, in the ornamentals and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. But I don't know what Michigan's like, but are there any hoops to jump through to run a nursery and sell trees and plants and things like that? Yeah. So you need a nursery license, but mm-hmm. um, it's it's a pretty simple process. I mean, you basically have a fee to pay. Someone will come out and, and inspect your your plants that you have but you know they're not they're not there to make it hard on you you know if you approach it more as they're there to help you then mm-hmm. you know hopefully you can have a good relationship and it's just not a big deal so yeah. you know more than anything they're just going to point out if you have a, a problem or if there's like some bugs here then maybe you need to make sure you stay on top of that or you know yeah which should be helpful information not not <laughs> you should look at that as like they're, they're trying to stop me yeah, yeah that's true yeah no exactly they're they're there to help i mean they're there to help prevent uh prevents spread of disease and, and infestation and all sure. that okay but to help you do that as well yeah so it wasn't difficult i mean just tell it for them get a visit and 
Yeah. Yeah. I was curious about that. I know every state's probably different. There's probably some places where it is more difficult and some places where it probably isn't nothing you got to do at all. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, I was kind of curious about that as far as on your end. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it's pretty simple in Michigan, though. They're pretty friendly about it. Yeah. And my impression is that most places it is pretty simple. Like it's not something worried about or concerned about. It's just, you know, go through the process and you'll be fine. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to, um, I'll definitely put links in so people can find, uh, your information and, and, and if they want to get a tree or off of you or, or, or talk to you about it. Um, but you also just have kind of informational places people can go to. I mean, you have, you have your, you have Facebook page, you have a couple of Facebook pages, I guess, and groups yeah. and website and, uh, uh, you know, you got your YouTube channel even, so you've got some good educational stuff out there as well. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I'll just plug this stuff real quick, but our website is www.sunshineacres.farm. So it's sunshine, sun is spelled with an O, as in the sun. So sunshineacres.farm. On Facebook is also Sunshine Acres. Um, There you'll see a lot of our, um, most recently, like our flower post over the last year and that sort of stuff. Then there's a, a Facebook group called Silvo Pasture Tree Hay and Tree Fodder for Beginners. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a relatively new group, but I'm actually surprised at how fast it's been It's rocking. I've been kind of keeping track of it, and you guys are adding a lot of members every day. People coming in constantly. I'm, every time I look, I'm surprised there's another eight people, 10, 25 people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's blowing up. It's encouraging. I mean, but again, it just shows that there's the interest out there. Um, people want to learn, you mm-hmm. know, when people ask me questions about how to do this, we have other people who are trying to help. So, you know, definitely look into that Facebook group. And then um, I also have a YouTube channel, which is called The Grateful Grow. And um, again, that's kind of a new channel. I'm just starting out there, but, you know, I'd love to have you along for the ride as we mm-hmm. work on developing the nursery and developing, you know, a, a like a demonstration silver pasture. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you're doing some good things there. I mean, uh, like I said, you're sharing a lot of good information and you're helping people and uh, get established and and get some ideas on maybe what they want to do. I think you're doing some really good stuff there. Yeah, yeah, cool. And again, like I said, like I really want to just inspire people to look at what do you have? You know, what can you do with what you already have? And then like, you know, there's there's tons of ways to build in resiliency and like reduce your need for external inputs, right? We don't need to be buying fertilizer all the time. Right. Yeah. So what, I know you got some chickens, but is there any other livestock you have right now? Yeah. So right, right now, actually we, we just got rid of our chickens. Every once in a while, we'll just kind of get okay. a flock and then start over. Yeah. So the chickens is the main thing that we've done. Um, like I said, I want to get some goats and I want to use those goats to clear the land as a silver yeah. go on. So that's going to be the plan there. Um, and then also I want to probably integrate some sheep into that as well that process mm-hmm. and to kind of explore the differences and how how well they can clear the land um they have kind of different needs and what they like to graze on yeah so you know we've we've done various things with with rabbits mostly rabbits and chickens is where we've kind of stayed okay but the rabbits have been gone for a little while we were actually looking at them or we were doing um their angoras french angora rabbits so we were getting all the fur and all that and we yeah. got some you know nice blankets and that, <laughs> that sort of stuff made off of those but yeah. Well, that'd be interesting to see. You're going to take this one acre and yeah. make this silver pasture in one acre. It'll be interesting to see just how well that works with a few animals and just the rotational grazing of that through there, just yeah. on one acre, even on a small scale and see yeah. how that really works. Cause that, like you said, there's a lot of people 
that they'll be able to apply that to their homestead who don't have, you know, 50, 60, 80 acres or whatever. They have maybe three or four or five acres and yeah. they can take an acre or two and do something like that with that. That'd be really good for them to see how that works and how well, and just how much you can feed an animal from that. Yeah. And how, and how many homesteaders have you talked to that only have three acres or two yeah. acres, five acres, you know, and, and if you can just use one and, um, you know, use it to, to support any of your meat needs or, or, you know, livestock, then, you know, let's see, see how far we can push that. I know you do a lot of stuff and just a small little yeah. bit of, like quarter even, acre here. We're doing quite a bit. And yeah, even some silver pasture, I would say we great. We take the tractors and run it through the, you know, the stuff and, and, you know, it works the same way. Yeah. And then even everything that we grow is all in, um, it's about an acre or less really, you know, yeah. a lot of people who do flowers, I mean, they're doing like, hundred foot rows, you know, and they'll have a whole bunch of rows, but we're just using a little, um, they're four by 16 foot raised beds, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so our actual planted square footage is quite small. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think folks realize just how little space it takes to grow a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's, I mean, you can get really intensive about it and, and almost get crazy and overdo it. But at the same time, <laughs> it doesn't take, and I've probably done that, but uh, it doesn't take as much room as people think to grow a significant amount of food and, and other things, even, even, even cash crops like you're doing. Yeah. That's what I tend to keep doing with my tomatoes. Is I keep planting too many, too close. No, it's easy, isn't it? The turns into a nightmare every year. But. Yeah, especially those cherry tomatoes. These things will turn into a jungle. I know I've grew those things. We'll get a, you throw about seven or eight of those things on. You'll have so many cherry tomatoes. And you got like this jungle of cherry tomatoes. You can't get to half of them. I know, exactly. Yeah. And then, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what's, what's next for uh, for uh, you and your wife and the uh, Sunshine Acres Farm? What's what's going on? What, you got other plans going on or anything you're thinking about? Well, this is kind of the main thing. We're going to keep pushing on the flowers, you know, and then trying to um, build up this this uh, tree fodder and nursery business, you know, and then as well as trying to build the um, the YouTube, and you, you know, you know, realistically, like YouTube's kind of like a marketing, but like, I also want to share what we're doing and how it works and how you can apply it to. So yeah, the, the main things we're going to be focusing on next. Yeah. Well, you're doing some really good stuff, man. Is there uh, anything you want to leave folks with before I let you go? Uh, no, I don't think so. But again, just really, it's just what I said already. It's like, you know, what do you already have? What can you already do with it? And you don't need as much as maybe you think you need. And you don't need to wait for this one thing or that one tool to get started. Yeah, I agree. Well, good word. I think that uh, you're doing some great stuff. I look forward to seeing all the things you're going to be sharing in in your Facebook group. And uh, folks can reach out to you there. You're also a member of the Homestead Front Porch Facebook yep. group, so okay. people can reach out to you there. That's actually where I, I first uh, seen a message from you in there. Um, yeah. So they can come into my group and, and see uh, see you in there as well, sharing things. So I think, think you're doing some great stuff, and I look forward to, to seeing where it goes for you. And, and I think you shared some really valuable uh, tips for folks here, especially on the marketing side of things. So I think a lot lot of folks that's their i think with farmers we're hands-on we want to get out there and do 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 yeah. and maybe that part's a little elusive to us you know it's yeah. like okay now what do i do with it you know because my desire is not to be a salesman my yeah. desire is to grow things so i love that you shared some great tips there for folks i love growing plants like that's yeah. my passion's more with the plants rather than the animals my more my passion's more with the plants and it's definitely not with marketing you know <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. Well, I appreciate you, Steve. You're doing some great stuff. And uh, yeah, keep it up, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks a lot.